Life Audio. Do you sometimes doubt if you're truly hearing God's voice or if it's really your own? Or have you been in a season where it feels like He's completely silent? Have you been praying for a way to learn how to hear His voice more clearly? Hey friends, I'm Rachel, host of the Hearing Jesus Podcast. If you are ready to grow in your faith and to confidently step into your identity in Christ, then join me as we dig deep into God's Word so you can learn to live out your faith in your everyday life. Hey friends, welcome back to the Hearing Jesus Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Grohl. Today, we're doing a little break from our regular scheduled programming to do a Q&A session. And sometimes I like to do that because sometimes people get behind a day or two. It gives them an opportunity to catch up, have a little bit of breathing room. And I think we all can kind of use a little bit of margin in our schedule. And so also what happens is, especially when people are going along with the podcast in their day-to-day lives, maybe they're using it for a devotional or they're using it for some spiritual growth material. Sometimes what happens is questions come in. And so when I get enough people asking the same kinds of questions, I like to do a Q&A because I think that's just really helpful. So I'm going to kind of just do this in an informal style and go through and we'll see how much time we have for some of these questions. The first one says, my biggest struggle is sharing my faith with others How can I continue to develop awareness and understanding in order to more comfortably share my faith with others? Well, I think for those of us that have been believers for a number of years, sometimes the idea of sharing our faith can be intimidating, right? I remember one of the first times I ever shared my faith. You guys will probably laugh at this. And maybe if you know me in my real life, this isn't that surprising to you. But I remember when I first got saved, for me, it was the opposite. I I had the gift of evangelism right away. And I wanted to tell everybody and anybody about Jesus. And I I was 15 years old and I called the 911 operator and I said, you know what? You save lives all day. Can I tell you about how you need to get saved. And uh, I proceeded to tell them the gospel. And I think that's actually against the law. And thankfully, the 911 operator was very gracious. And she kind of informed me that she already was a believer, but thanked me for my concern for her eternal security. And so for me, I personally don't struggle with that. But for a lot of women that I work with, a lot of actually people in general that I work with, one of the things that I always tell them is it don't overcomplicate it. I think that if I were to come to you and just say to you, hey, can you tell me about your family? Can you tell me about your spouse? Or can you tell me about your kids or your job? It would be very easy for you to just rattle information off about that and tell me why you're passionate about that area or your favorite things about that area. It's the same way with our relationship with God. But I think sometimes we complicate that. Now, we have a very real enemy that likes to convince us that we have to have it all figured out before we share. He likes to convince us that we're just not going to know enough to be able to share. But I would argue that that is a very good tactic that he uses. And instead of approaching it that way, think through it in terms of just explaining your story. And so if you think about your own faith story, how did you come to faith in Jesus? How did you first have curiosity about him? How did you first recognize that maybe God was doing something in your heart or your mind or your life? Share that. We don't have to overcomplicate it. We don't have to have you know, what we call the address, the chapter and verse of of the scriptures laid out before us. Now, is there a chance that somebody might challenge you? Yeah. 
Is that bad? No, not necessarily. It will challenge you to grow in your faith. And you don't necessarily have to have all those answers right here. What you can say to them is, you know what? That's a really good question. Let me figure that out and get back to you. Or let me let me read a little bit. Or I don't know. Let's look that up together. That does not have to be a stumbling block. If anything, it can show this transparency and this vulnerability of, you know what? I'm not pretending that I have it all figured out, but I'm willing to help us figure it out together. And so don't allow the enemy to keep you silent. And the other thing is, is the more you do it, the easier it gets. The more you talk to somebody, the more you share your faith, the easier and easier it gets. A really good tip is that the easiest way to do this, I have found, if we're trying to grow this, this is a muscle we need to grow, is to do it when you're out of town. Do it when you're on vacation because you're not going to see those people ever again. And this isn't the same thing as your local grocery store. And so if you were on vacation, use it as an opportunity when you're in the elevator with somebody at the hotel. Hey, is there anything you need prayer for? That's a, that's a really easy segue to just say, hey, my name my name's Rachel. I, I'm going to be going back to my room and I'm going to be doing some prayer. Is there anything that you would like me to pray for? And, you know, use some wisdom with that. I mean, don't ask the shady people that, you know, you might not necessarily want to get in a conversation with. Pray for them, certainly, but don't necessarily engage them in that kind of conversation. But also ask for God to show you who he would like you to speak that to or, or say that to. You know, there's a lot of times I will say, God, show me who you want me to talk to today. And he does. He will. And I can't tell you how many times that just ministered to them so much. So don't overcomplicate it and just practice. The more you practice, the easier it gets. So the second question is, I know God loves everyone, but his loving me is hard to know and feel. I feel like I have wasted so much of my life. I've done so many things wrong. I've been such a sinner. I feel a lot of guilt and unworthiness and shame. Well, let me just say, and I've done a podcast series on this. If you go back to the very beginning, we talk about the desires of the heart series. So I'd encourage you to go back and listen to that. But I want to just tell you that feelings are liars. Okay. We can't go by what we feel. We have to go by what we know. And what we know is what God says in his word. And so sometimes we get so caught up in our emotions that it clouds our thought process. It clouds what we know to be true. And so, you know, I would encourage you to explore some of those feelings of the guilt and unworthiness and shame. Sometimes those are things that need to be worked out in therapy. But the bottom line is, yeah, you've been such a sinner. We all have. That's the whole point. That's why we need Jesus. We are dirty, filthy, rotten sinners from birth and we need Jesus. We all are. We're all in the same boat. And if you're saying you feel like you've made, wasted your life, your life isn't over. The fact that you can write me an email and ask these kinds of questions means that you have still a lot of agency and a lot of time left to do whatever God is calling you to do. And so the other thing I want to touch on, and this might be a little bit triggering for some people. And so I'm going to just ask you to, before you send me a hateful email, just think through what I'm saying. If we have this mentality that God loves everyone, but he doesn't love me, that tends to be more of a pride issue than anything else. And you may say, no, it's the opposite of that. I feel guilty and I feel shame and I feel unworthy. Here's the thing. Scripture talks about how he poured out his spirit for all flesh, for God so loved the world. So you're telling me that scripture says that Jesus died for the whole world, but that excludes you? Well, that's a pride issue. You know, I, I mean, if you want to look at it in a very basic way, there's nothing different from you than the whole world. He, the whole world is sinful. The whole world has a sin problem and he died for the whole world. 
And so I think sometimes we tend to overcomplicate it. We tend to put our own emotion into it. But I would encha- I would challenge you on that and to encourage you to get in the word. And, and a lot of times what happens is people that have not been in the word start internalizing some of these thoughts. But it's the word of God that starts changing some of those thoughts. So I would encourage you to follow the podcast or be reading your Bible, get the word inside of you. Next question. Last week, we sacrificed our everything to serve God. We literally got home and our kids are out of control. One has the flu. The dog is puking. I'm so tired. We also sacrifice sleep to serve him. I have a hard time with this. Welcome to being a Christian. You know, I, I'm, you know, I wish there was an easy way to say this, especially when you are serving God, especially when you are acting on behalf of the kingdom of God and you are stepping out, especially if it's the first time you are doing something that God has called you to do. We call it predictable resistance. We serve a very real enemy. Just as much as God is real, the devil is real too. And just as much as God is going to use you to make an impact, the enemy is going to work overtime to discourage you from making impact. We have targets on our back. And so what I would say is there's a couple things you could do. Number one, we call it predictable resistance because it's predictable what's going to happen. Every single time there's somebody in my life, and I'm not going to get into details, but there's somebody in my life that would say they're a believer, but clearly has a demonic oppression about them. And, you know, we can get into that later. Believers cannot be possessed by the devil, but they can be oppressed by the devil. And that oppression does have some control in this individual's life. And several times right before I get into a very, very big ministry event or season, that person will attack me with terrible lies, but terrible things to distract me from what God is calling me to do. One time was right before I spoke on a stage in front of a lot of people. One time was right when I was in another country getting ready to go into a very, very, very important meeting. One was right before I had to deal with a very big, important publishing meeting where I need to have a clear head. It tends to happen right before I get ready to do something, the enemy starts working and allows this person who had proximity in my life to be able to to affect me. Now, there are things we can do. There's boundaries we can set and all sorts of things. But my point with that is saying it's predictable. It's predictable resistance. Now, does that mean we're powerless? Absolutely not. We are not powerless. I would encourage you to do some research or we have resources on binding and loosing prayers. And so we've talked about that in the past on the podcast where, you know, everything that we bind on earth is bound in heaven. Everything we loose on earth is loose in heaven. And so we go on the offense and the defense with, instead of the defense, we go on the offense with spiritual warfare. And that's where spiritual warfare comes in, where we can specifically pray for hedges of protection. We can call out some of the demonic activities that is happening and and put a stop to it. We are not powerless against that. And so don't feel that way. The enemy would like to convince you that you feel that you feel that way, but that's not the truth. The truth is God's word is a weapon. Okay. I, I, this is like condensed answers to these questions. So um apologize. I'm trying to do high level answers. If you would like to dive in deeper, you can do a life coaching session with me where we can talk about some of this stuff more specifically. How can I have consistency through the seasons? I'm faithful in church attendance, but when the enemy knows where to plant a seed, I sometimes have a hard time with my attitude and not letting that seed grow until it's done damage. So while I'm consistent on the outside, inside, I'm falling apart. Well, I think we all do have seasons like that. 
And I would say it's not about church attendance. Now, do you need to be within a body of believers? Absolutely. But that's not necessarily even about attendance. It's about accountability. It's about relationship. It's about pointing you to a deeper sense of spiritual discipline. Just because I'm standing in a barn doesn't make me a cow. Just like somebody going to church does not make them a believer. It's really about the relationship with Jesus. And that relationship with Jesus is a 24-7 thing. It's not a Sunday morning thing. And so when the enemy plants a seed right away, we need to take that thought captive. You know, I think about this in terms of, um, and we're going to get into this with the next question. I think about this in terms of temptation. When the enemy plants a seed, we tend to think of that sin, but that temptation itself is not the sin. Now, what we do with that temptation is the sin. If we ruminate on it, if we start thinking through it, if we act on it, that is the sin. But when that seed gets planted, we need to pluck that out as soon as possible because we know the damage it can do in our lives and in our relationship with the Lord. So there is accountability on that. I mean, this isn't like it's some sort of like magic potion to become a Christian. You never have any problems. No, we have an enemy that wants to kill, steal and destroy you and Jesus. So we have to go on the offense. Scripture says that the enemy is prowling around like a lion. So of course he's going to plant seeds. That's expected. It's predictable resistance. And so again, it's uh, it's a lot of prayer. It's accountability. It's not just about church attendance. So I would encourage you to get involved in a small group. You know, if you want to do some spiritual direction or life coaching with me, that's available too. But but recognizing that we can't go on autopilot, that's really, really dangerous for us as believers. I'm really struggling with lustfulness and pornography, which feels weird to admit. How can I get past that? Well, let me tell you something. As women, I think we don't talk about this enough. I think you are not alone in that. I think there are an incredible amount of women that struggle with that as well. I have a Facebook group. We have a Facebook community that if you're not aware, you can be a part of where we can, we do exactly that. We share, we offer accountability, we pray for each other. And in that Facebook group, what I always do is I ask the question, what is your biggest struggle in your relationship with the Lord? You would not believe how many emails, how many comments I get that pornography and lust is a major struggle. And yet we tend to think that that is a male-dominated sin. But just based on the small sampling of people that I interact with, Christian women inside the church, pornography and lust is a much bigger problem. And we don't really have a lot of good resources. If that is something you want me to develop resources on, please let me know because it's been something I've been praying about doing anyway. But what I would say is with any kind of addictive behavior, um, and porn can be, a li- it is an addictive behavior and it can be a little bit more, it's more in depth than this. But I think anytime I've had any kind of addiction or stronghold in my life, there's a couple things that have been helpful. Number one is recognizing that it is a stronghold and it is a tool that the enemy has used to put his hooks on you. So there's a spiritual element where we need to close those doors spiritually of wherever we have allowed the enemy to infiltrate. And so some of it is definitely buttoning or loosing. It is changing behavior. It is cutting off the hand. You know, we talked about plucking out the eye. We're not literally plucking an eyeball out, but we are maybe need to cancel the internet for a couple months. Maybe you need to download an app that will hold you accountable and email other people when you're looking at stuff you shouldn't be looking at. There are things that you can do to cut that off. But what I have found is with any kind of addiction, the closer I get to Jesus, the less that bothers me. Now, for me, it was food addiction. And 
who I talked about that on the podcast before. There's been therapy there. You know, it was a childhood trauma response. There's been um, medication even, you know, there's lots of different tools that we can use. But ultimately what happens is, is it's when my relationship with Jesus gets closer, some of those things start to fall away. And so the primary thing I think is important to do is to make sure that you are in an authentic, developing, fully formed relationship with Jesus. And, you know, there are many people, we talked yesterday about the different kinds of disciples where there was the 12 disciples and then there were like these fringe disciples. And then there were these other people that were just curious about Jesus. Just because you listen to the podcast or just because you go to church doesn't mean you're a follower of Jesus. It might just mean you're curious. Have you given your heart to him? Have you invited him into your life and ask you, asked him to forgive you of your sins and to help you do life differently? That is the first place. The second I would ask is what is your experience with the Holy Spirit like? And really leaning into the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. That is the piece that I think sometimes people forget that there's three persons to the Trinity. There's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And so we need to be intentional about growing in the Holy Spirit because that's the power that God gives us to fight some of those things. So again, this is a huge issue that we can talk more about one-on-one in spiritual direction if, if that's if that's your issue. And then let me just get to one more. It says, my husband doesn't attend church with me. He never really has. He wasn't raised in church. He is loving, supportive of mom, doing as a mom and a believer, but it does make it hard. And I want him to lead our family. I get it. And unfortunately, you cannot control anybody else. You can only control yourself. And if you, if we could, you know, we could just make, we could just say, okay, poof, everybody gets saved. What you can do is you can control your own heart, your own mouth your own attitudes, your own behaviors. And, you know, often, and this is still true today, what we would see in the scriptures is the reason why Jesus was so attractive is because of the way he loved people. He drew people in with his love. Now, he didn't let them stay that way. He said, go and sin no more. You know, he he dealt with their sin. But the initial drawing of Jesus was because of the way he loved people. And what we said at the beginning of today's session is still true here when we were talking about healing. Your job is not, or your responsibility is not the outcome. Your responsibility is getting that person to Jesus. Well, how do we get that person to Jesus? Well, our behavior, our thoughts, our actions. If we are nagging our husband about, you don't go to church, you don't go to church, you don't go to church. Is that going to make him want to go to church? Absolutely not. But instead, if we are loving them and seeing them the way that Jesus sees them and and acting lovingly toward them, it will naturally draw them to the Jesus in you. And so prayer is a very important part of that. But this also goes to lay credibility to this idea of being unequally yoked and why that's so, so important to teach our children, that we need to make sure that when our children, when our daughters are getting married, when our sons are getting married, that they find a spouse that loves God more than they love them. And I think that is a lesson that we forget about too often in the church. And so lots of things that go into that. But I would say you focus first on your relationship with the Lord and pray for him and then release him to the Lord because you can't, nothing that you can say or do is going to change his heart. That has to be God. And the words that you say to him even have to be God led. And so the focus needs to be your relationship with the Lord and then trust that God can work that out. One more, and then we'll be done. It says, the wise in certain situations. I know the day I was born, God had a plan for me, but sometimes I just ask, why me? Well, the whys are a difficult question. It goes back to this whole idea that we live in a fallen world. And so because of original sin, because we have an enemy that comes to kill, steal, and destroy, I think sometimes we 
give God the credit for the bad stuff that's happening to us when it's really the enemy that should be getting the credit for that. And by credit, I mean blame. You know, we're giving God the blame. Why God? Why me? Well, maybe it's not God. Maybe it's the enemy. And it's the result of the fallen world that we live in. The truth is, is we were not built and we were not designed to live in this fallen world. We were designed to live in communion and community with God. And so that's why there's this tension. But the good news is, is that's why God said, Jesus, we have a rescue plan. And so I would argue that instead of saying, why me, God, and blaming God for that, I would blame it on the enemy. And again, we have to go on the offensive with the spiritual battle, the spiritual warfare. So um, I'm going to be starting some additional spiritual warfare kind of classes and courses and spiritual direction. So if you're interested in that, let me know. We can talk more about that. But let me pray over you real quick. Father God, we thank you for your presence, even in technology like podcasts and YouTube and all of the things. Lord, we thank you that you have a heart for us. And we could even just see this theme starting to pop up in these uh, Q&A questions, which I didn't even think were related initially. But we see this theme of this need for spiritual warfare, God. And we see this need for being on the offensive. Lord, help us to remember that we are not defenseless as Christians, and you have given us everything we need to fight these battles. You've given us the Holy Spirit. At the moment of salvation, we also receive the Holy Spirit, which empowers us for not just serving you, but for battling and for fighting back against the enemy. So Lord God, I pray for a fresh vision for my friend that they would understand that God has called them to not just a passive, sit back and take it apathetic kind of faith, but an aggressive war room kind of faith. God, we thank you and praise you that we have the blessing of the parakletos, the helper, the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, friends, we'll talk next week. Hey, friends, as we lean into a new month and we continue to learn and grow together, there's a couple resources I want to make sure you know about so you can take advantage of. The first is our Patreon page, and the link for that is in the show notes. And on the Patreon page, we have a couple things. We have a dedicated space that is for discussion, for asking questions. You get easy access to me where we talk about things. We hold each other accountable. There are resources that go with the show, like a journaling prompt worksheet download for every single adult show. We also have family discussion guides. And what's really been neat about those is that on the kids show every day, I talk about the same content that's on the adult show, just taught in a way that kids can understand. Then the family discussion guides create an environment for you to process that information with your children. You can use that at the dinner table or even as part of your devotional routine. There's some suggested prayer and activities and things to help you connect that content to the appropriate age for your children. So all of that is on the Patreon. Also, there's some prophetic words, extra videos, transcripts, all those kinds of things. The second is on our website. If you go to shehears.org, there's a shop resources page that has my Bible studies that I've written, links to different journaling Bibles, note-taking Bibles, all sorts of resources to help you grow. And then also on our website, we have the coaching section. If you are finding that you need some spiritual direction or life coaching, that is available for you as well. And that's really good to help you process what you're learning. If you're feeling stuck, if you need to work through something, if something just isn't sitting right, or if you want to teach this content and you need to help develop a plan, I'm available to help you do that as well. Again, all of these are resources to help you grow in your spiritual life and hear God's voice more clearly. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you will find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Hey friends, 
If this podcast helped encourage, empower, or equip you in your walk with God, I would love it if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. That's the number one way you can support my show. You can also join our free Facebook community or Instagram page where I share inspirational tips, bonus content, resources, and prayer throughout the week. Hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you. Know that you are so loved. Keep going.